Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and welcome to Captain America's Rampage of Murder. <laughs> Today, we're talking about Minute 101 which begins with Cap climbing out of the wheel well and ends with a Hydra pilot securing them, themselves in the Flagger Parasit. Flagger Parasit. That was, that's nice. That's nice. You're really uh, leaning in. I, um, <laughs> I, I said themselves because I realized as I was watching this, I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's like the bodysuits on these Hydra pilots are a little, there's kind of like some bagginess to them. So it's really hard to tell. Are they men? Are they women? Who knows? Who knows how, uh, how uh, far... Uh, Red Skull was in his advanced thinking with uh, with pilots in 1940. It's very progressive. That's what you're saying. Red That's Skull what I'm saying. Progressive. <laughs> All right. That's exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, joining us on the show today, we have Ryan Bennett. Hello, Ryan. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. I love any kind of fighting, so I don't know what that says about me, but thank you for having me for the scene. <laughs> oh, it's it's a thrill. You are a director of news broadcasts and content creator for Black Girl Nerds. We had you on last season, and we are thrilled to have you back. It's going to be a week of uh a lot of a lot of punching <laughs> a lot of a very punchy punchy sort of week <laughs> so uh we're looking forward to it um but let's just kind of start things off you know we it, it, you know we saw last week captain america made it onto the wheel of the of the valkyrie and it took off and of course uh peggy carter and colonel phillips were left behind and uh, and now you know this is it we've we're kind of thinning things out as far as who Captain America has to take on before he can finally confront Red Skull. And we find out in this minute, at this point, it's the pilots. And we see uh, a bunch of pilots start coming out. Uh, my first question for both of you is, we just took off. Why are the pilots already coming down to hop into their little <laughs> drone planes? Like, does it seem smart to hop in now? Wouldn't they wait till they were like, you know, over the United States, perhaps? <laughs> Just that's like just say fourteen hours from now. <laughs> they just want to yeah. be ready, Andy. <laughs> Is that it? Yes. Is that it? Yes. It's uh. just you have no choice. You got to go right now. I mean, Captain America is on to you. Go right now as soon as you can. Get out of the plane. <laughs> I guess. I guess it's it's. I don't know. It's it's very funny. Well, uh, you know the the interesting thing is there's no sense that anybody has any idea that Captain America made it onto the plane like these. Drone pilots seem very specifically to be heading to their little their drop planes, which are also called called the Flagger Parasit, which we've talked about a number of times on the show. Those are those eight um, propellers that we see at the back of the Valkyrie. Um, and so, yeah, and, and we didn't mention Steve sees three of the four. We're on like the, I guess, as your, uh, I don't know, as Steve jumped onto the plane. So from the rear of the plane, it's like the left wing. I get, I don't know. Do you call a plane? The left wing, based on like if you're sitting in the in the captain's seat, looking out the front, I guess so, right? I have no idea the anatomy of a plane. I'm going to say yes. I mean, I was going to go with it because you sound convincing. You sound convincing, so I was going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do okay. really do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if I'm the captain and I'm piloting it, yeah, it seems like it, I would be like, okay, so the left is my left, and so yeah, so I guess. Yeah. He's in the left wing, basically. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that his seat, as we have seen, unlike many captain seats, turns around. So when he's turning around, <laughs> addressing the crew, is it the right now? I don't know. 
It's a stage left, stage right problem. I don't know. In a plane, is it left and right or is it like a boat where it's like fore and aft and... Uh, yeah, starboard and... Starboard and... What was the other one? Starboard <laughs> There's and... a fourth one. Starboard... <laughs> Steve, but... Steve Winwood. I think the other side is Steve Winwood. <laughs> Winwood. <laughs> well, I'm not getting my pilot license anytime soon, so I'm going to go with left. I'm going to go with left and right. I'm going to go with left wing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> left and right we're gonna stick about it. we could we really could talk about this for the rest of the show but I let's know. not uh, yeah. <laughs> i am very curious though now you guys got me i'm gonna have to google it while you guys are talking or something i'm like i want to know what it is i know i know i okay here's my next question for you we see three of these drone planes which also are bombs i mean that's the design yeah. of these flagger parasites is that it's a i mean they're basically little mini suicide planes they have a bomb in the front and apparently they're all the Tesseract weaponry bombs. And then they uh, they have a propeller in the back and they have little wings that pop up. And the, the suicide pilot uh, flies them down to hit the target. That's kind of the conceit of these little planes, which is, uh, it's I mean, it's interesting. It's kind of horrifying that that's, you know, d- that's the design. Um, but that is what they do. Now, we do see, yeah. uh, so well, I guess first, let's talk about logistics. Oh, sorry, Pete, did you have something you want to say? Because I want to talk about logistics. One, I have breaking news. It's forward, aft, starboard is right, and port is left. So breaking news, we've got that resolved, starboard, port. But is that is that on a plane, too, or is that just on a boat? It's just it's just the words, man. It could be okay. any, it could be a car if you want it to be. I don't care what you call it. Uh, tell your kids to tell get my in the starboard now. side. I, I want to start doing that. See, it just yeah. really throw them. Yeah, you need to start doing that. But second, did we determine that these particular ones? I think did you have the the schematics of these things that the bomb itself somehow separates? You do. You have it open. Look at that. Nice. Thank God you're such a nerd. Well, I love it. The thing is that these were all like schematic designs at the time when they were kind of coming up with the whole the whole thing. And it never really um, like they, the, the one that shows where the, the front end pops off. It shows that the front does come off like the person piloting it could actually drop the front off and then fly off to do something else. It's not. I mean, it's just a, not it's much just, else. Let's be clear. Well, it's kind I, well, of a single purpose device. <laughs> well, theoretically, I guess the concept would be they would fly back to base and load up again. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But but still, it's like, why not just have a plane with a couple missiles that they could shoot then? You know, like yeah. suddenly it just starts seeming really stupid. But again, it was just a concept in the in the you know in the early stages. It's never shown that that's the way that they're actually designed here in the film and so they just basically seem like suicide planes and that's when we started recording this show 17 years ago uh (laughs) we had some real grief over the fact that these things exist that they are that they look very much like suicide planes i think there was a brief respite when you got that book and we discovered that maybe just maybe they separate they just but we don't see that here we don't see that and here's another question Will it still go off if it just drops without a person in it? I don't think it will. Like, so a bomb doesn't, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm unfamiliar with, <laughs> with, with bombs. Well, cause like when you're flying a jet, my understanding is that the jet arms the weapon before it is fired, that the weapon has to somehow be in like armed status before it is fired. My hunch is they would not have a bunch of armed bombs in the belly of the Valkyrie 
just flying around. Like they would have to drop the bomb, fly to the destination, arm it, and and then release. So if it just drops, it's like that's why you see bombs that didn't get armed early on, like land and not go off because they were somehow not triggered to do so. After I think early earliest bombs were like pressure bombs. You dropped in. I I know very 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 little about this, but that's my understanding that it has to be armed first. Well, that would explain why he was trying to go to each one before the pilot and try to drop them and try to get to them as quick as he could or get them out before they got in there. Right, 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 right. It seems like there's there is some maybe some logic to what was going on in here. Or he really just doesn't care about Switzerland. And just wants all the bombs <laughs> dropped on Switzerland. <laughs> just, uh, just save what all are the they good cities. For? <laughs> Drop them in the Alps. <laughs> it's just, it's just fondue. Yeah, I think Red Skull just likes a bunch of minions following him. Because some of this stuff, I feel like at his power, his power level, he could have did some of this stuff. But he just likes a bunch of like robotic looking. You know, people just following his orders that he just bounce around to and and oh, okay, we kill five of that, we kill fifty of these, we can get a little bit more people over here. You know, it's just like they're very indispensable to him where he doesn't care. Clearly, I mean, it seems to be that most of his troopers, like the the design with them, is to not ever be taken hostage, but to chomp on a cyanide capsule yeah. so that you mm-hmm. can't be captured. And so, yeah, he seems to view them all as very disposable. And and weirdly, they're all like blindly following too. That's yeah. that's another thing that seems to be the case. Now, this plane is supposed to have a 540-foot wingspan, which I always struggle with buying into when I look at it. But, I mean, does it seem like having this huge plane with eight bombs on it is enough for his, like, worldwide conquest? Like, I guess I'm not exactly sure what his intentions are here, especially since so much, I mean, we only see three of the eight of the bombs on the plane, and they're all targeted for U.S. locations, Chicago, Boston, New York. Uh, I mean, is there a specific reason he's so specifically targeting the U.S. at this point, as opposed to, I mean, I know we had seen other like other maps, like when the SS officers come in, they had targets all over Europe as well. Like, why are, I mean, especially now that they're taking off in Austria, why are they not starting there, as opposed to flying all the way to the U.S. to drop these? I, I'm not sure. Does, do either of you have any sense of red skull's logic that i'm missing here i think it's about a statement yeah right yeah like i think he's going about to make a statement he has this like the bombs are our our presumption is the bombs are tesseract bombs and we don't have a sense of the size of the explosion that these will cause but dropping one on new york would presumably level most of new york and Dropping it on one city and doing that level of presumed damage would be a massive global statement. Dropping it on seven, eight cities around the world is, is I think, a significant impact, maybe a more significant impact than just one plane would, you know, one Valkyrie would indicate. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you're dropping those bombs in the U.S., you're definitely trying to start something. You definitely want that attention to you know, being the powerhouse that the U.S. is, you know, the war that they're in, that he's trying to, that he really doesn't care about, you know, obviously the war itself is his own personal agenda. Like he's taking evil to a whole new scale where he's just, he's just, you know, as much, as much impact I can make right now, drop all the bombs. I think that's another reason too, why they were running because he's more of just, okay, right now I know I'm, I have a chance, like a minute chance of losing this, of people not seeing what I have. So let's just start dropping bombs. 
you know, he doesn't really have like a calculate. Like I think a lot of his plans are going out the window as far as like being really calculated and, you know, having the doctor and having this well thought out plan he had. And now it's just, okay, if I lose this, I can't lose the test or I have to make a statement. Let's just start dropping bombs. Yeah. I, I guess it just seems to me like if he's over Austria or if he takes off in Austria and he, and his goal is New York, uh, it seems like, okay, between there and New York, and I guess, you know, I know we were talking about this last week. I think the straightest path is actually kind of over the top of the earth. So it's probably like from Austria, it would probably be like crossing up across Germany, across the UK, and then kind of over Iceland, Greenland, and then coming down Canada to New York. But it seems like Maybe dropping on London along the way might make sense. And then as he comes well, over the top know. of the... Well, we don't know. Maybe there's a London-labeled bomb in there somewhere. Well, that's true. And yeah, and I guess that's another <laughs> another question I have as we continue our conversation this week is, where are all the other pilots? Because <laughs> as, we'll, as we'll find out, we have eight, uh, we have eight pilots or eight drone planes. Drone, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we did see last week that I mean, they, they were the shot... ones who got who slipped off the ladder when they were yeah, trying they, to get they, up. There were there were a few that uh, yeah. did get uh, shot and, and killed. So maybe that's it. Maybe we only have five left. And this is the this is the group we have. So. All right. All right. But again, that goes back to last week's question, which was, oh, my goodness, how many people does it take to fly this thing? Our presumption was the people who got shot after Red Skull got up into the plane were people who were supposed to sit in all the other chairs in the main area, the main cabin. But, it, yeah, maybe they were just pilots and they were meant to stand in the wheel wells and get ready to fly the or the drone bombs. I, I don't know. It just seems like there aren't enough people on this plane. Erg. Yeah, I struggle with this. Well, anyway, whatever whatever is going on, whatever the plan is, we know we have at least three U.S. targets. We actually never see the bomb that's past Chicago. Like, we never get a view of, like, deep enough down the, the uh, wing to see what that fourth one is that's in here. Um, we do see, though, we do see four pilots come running down, and Steve, you know, his plan is to hop up on top of the, the wheel and then as the pilots come down, he actually kicks the fourth one off who falls. I mean, it's actually a great fall the way that he kind of hits his side on the railing and kind of flips over perfectly like uh, just like this little uh, little toy that just kind of like, you know, it's almost like he's a figure who just kind of spins over perfectly around the edge of the railing. It's, it's funny to see him uh, do that. And then I'll bet he thought the, it was funny, too. I bet he did too. Now, okay, so that's we're going to call that one number four because there are there are we see, we end up seeing five pilots. Number four flips over the, over the railing. Number three is apparently the only one armed. He, he pulls out a knife out, or they pull out a knife out of like the ankle, like a, a holster in, in the ankle or something, and goes after Steve. Does it strike either of you as like should more of them have have been armed in some capacity? Is it weird that this is the only one with a weapon and that there weren't tesseract knives <laughs> or tesseract Ooh, guns? I, that's a good. That's a good. I mean, he is going up. He has vibranium, so you should come with a little bit more armed. I would think, but <laughs> yes, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I guess no matter what, they were just. I don't know. I just think it's so dumb how they're just following him, and this is like you barely have anything. You know, you're on a suicide mission. Just it's no matter what you do, you know, you're going to die for this guy. And the guy's crazy. I'm like, what? It's like he has have ultimate serene power and you're just feeding into it. 
Like the little robots, little robots going into the, to the, like each plane. It didn't make, I, I'm with you, Andy. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I don't know. They're just like blindly following him. No weapons. I mean, they look like they could be out of Star Wars. We don't even have like, they're not even like stormtroopers with the little lightsaber guns. You know, it's like nothing. It's like just, just run and see what's going to happen. I'm like, you know, this guy has powers like your boss. No weapons. It's, I know. It's so weird. <laughs> well, you know what? You said, you said an interesting thing. Uh, they're acting like robots. Maybe we never see their faces. Maybe the pilots are robots. Ooh, there you go. Maybe they're. I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think the evidence that we have is that Red Skull is, as Ryan says, crazy. And two, that he also has this this dream of stormtrooper like forces that follow him. I think it's more likely that he said, "Okay, I want you all to dress like robots and act like robots," and he just is <laughs> making prisoners dress like robots because that's all he has access to. <laughs> and so, I I think it's actually this whole movie is an exercise in cosplay. Ooh, oh, nice oh, voice by oh. the way. That was great. That was great. <laughs> pulling out his German. There you go. Cosplay, I do not want to sign up for it, but they can have it. It's it's great. Yeah, it's right. Great they can have it. Here, you get you get yeah. this and a knife. Sorry. Some of <laughs> you, the guys get the blue, blue goo poo poo guns, but you get a knife. Well, apparently only one of them gets a knife. Yes. Only only well, because one there's of also you. a lottery. There's a red skull lottery for <laughs> weapons. <laughs> it's okay. Well, you drew the short straw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, and here's the thing. So, so we have, uh, so Steve kicks number four off the ledge. Number three pulls the knife and goes after Steve. And number two, uh, charges him. Why does, and then number one actually, um, decides, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to go jump in my plane. Um, why does number three or number two also not do that? If, if their whole thing is suicide mission and they're supposed to be, you know, um, their whole training and everything is to hop into these little planes and fly down. Like, does it matter if they stop Steve at this point? Like, wouldn't it be more efficient for them to actually just jump into their planes and fly off? Unfortunately, number one is the only one that figured that out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Number two is very stupid. You see everybody else behind you going out, and he's like, oh, well, surely a charge is going to work. I just, this is going to work. And so, but yeah, number one apparently is the only smart one. He tried as a robot, aka stormtrooper of, 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 you know, in the Marvel universe. So yeah, so yeah, apparently he was on the smart one. But yeah, it makes no, it absolutely makes no sense the way they just keep charging him. I know. Well, I do think there is something to like ideological worldview. Like most of these guys are like they're soldiers for a cause that they presumably believe in. Like we have no evidence that there are, that there is a large rate of defectors in this, even though by all rights there should be. But but that they believe in the cause. And when they see Captain America on the plane, like they have an allegiance to that cause, whether or not Red Skull is crazy, like they they're in the army, right? They're in his army. So I, I, it actually makes sense to me that they would, they would try to see their mission through. And part of that mission is get this like parasite off our ship. I like how you call him a parasite, and then they're flying the parasites. That, that's actually true. That's <laughs> he's, a, he's a cancer. They have to excise the cancer. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. It is a shame, though, that number three did bring the knife to a fist fight because Steve then is able to use the knife to kill number one. And that's kind of the... But the murder just begins. He's he's <laughs> yeah. throwing knives and killing people and then throwing them out of the plane. 
well before that he he actually he drops the drop plane uh, manually before yes. the before number two is able to get into it and that's the that's the drop of number two where he just falls separate from his plane again who knows where that thing is going to land over switzerland but uh, <laughs> off it goes. So, this is the other thing about captain america that i think this minute brings up which is I was one of those people that was a bit up in arms when in Zack Snyder's, uh, you know, Superman take, he has Superman break Zod's neck, right? Superman becomes a killer. If Captain America is is sort of the the Marvel, you know, version of Superman, right? Truth, justice, American way. Captain America is a straight up like murderous, like individual. He's killing people all over the place. And has you know not insurmountable power but is it does does captain america stand for something bigger than knifing guys in the back like did that ever crop up for either of you in this in watching this movie like is is he made of better stuff than is displayed um i kind of thought of i actually didn't think about that that deeply until now because that's always an interesting question when you think about your heroes is it okay that they're killing they kill a, a reasonable amount of people to save they're trying to say you know it's for the better good for everyone else and but they have to kill a lot of people it's a lot of soldiers that go down in the fight of him trying to get to red skull but i kind of thought of it as i was interested in the scene and enjoyed the scene because it was the first time to me he felt comfortable in his in his powers in who in what he could do in his ability because he had this he had the stone cold mission he's lost um you know his best friend he has a lot riding on completing this mission. So now he's laser focused on how do I use the shield? How do you know, how do my powers kind of work? Like he's fully into that instead of just charging into buildings and, and you know, getting out, getting out of gunfire and just going straight through fields. He now has more of a straight mission to how he's getting rid of each one of these soldiers, each one of these pilots. But I mean, it's an interesting point that has me thinking now. I mean, do you still because Captain America is, you know, Cap is the hero. You know, he's that, you know, when you have Avengers, you don't have the Avengers without Cap. And so now it's a new layer to that. Is that okay? That is what he does. It's what's really interesting about that specifically, right? Is that, that, you know, we've been talking, we've been joking about the, the, you know, the costumes and the cosplay of the Hydra soldiers. But there is a very real reason that Cap doesn't really kill anybody without, with a face, Right. They all have these masks on. They are dehumanized. And in the Avengers, everything that he's killing is like the Chitari. Right. They're all, you know, alien creatures. They're dehumanized. So we don't have any of those, uh, you know, a, a real sort of graphic sequences of Cap killing someone that also that ha- doesn't have a layer removed of their humanity. And I think that's uh, for me, that seems to be intentional. I don't know. Andy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I definitely think there is something to that as far as um the nature of superhero films like you want to make it seem like he's not just i I feel like it may not be until points later where he is fighting more of the 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 hydra the modern hydra villains and they're human right they're very much humanized i feel like that yeah, that may be it. Otherwise, it does always seem to be aliens of some sort or something like that. And so, yeah, that could be a thing that I think in this film, they they get away with it largely because 
there it's a war like it's a war the, the yeah. whole the whole conceit of this film is it's world war ii and largely i mean i know hydra is its own thing and it kind of uh perpetuates through uh, many of the the marvel films but it is designed to be the nazis right it's yeah. kind of like right. the it's it's the super soldier nazis and and so i think to that end that's where we're we we end up finding that all of the killing that he's doing throughout this film with all the different hydro troops and blowing up the factories and all this sort of stuff. I mean, even Kruger toward the beginning, I think it's, I, I think it boils down to it's the, the scope of a war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what makes it stand out in this minute because there is a level of intimacy to it, to just knifing a guy in the back and dropping them out of the airplane. But it's just a couple of guys that he's fighting. It's not a bigger brawl, right? It's not a huge, like a, a giant. He's not running into the Hydra brace with explosions going off everywhere that are, again, another layer away from that particular violence. But, um, you know, this one, this one stands out because it's, it's particularly hand to hand and throwing people out of the airplane. And it allows me to get to my footnote for this sequence, which is the plane just took off. But when you see them fly, like you can't see the ground. The plane must be going like a rocket straight up into the air uh, because you can't. They are very, very high, very, very quickly. I was doing some research. the The fastest aircraft right now, uh, the jet aircraft, is the Lockheed SR seventy one Blackbird, and it can reach speeds of Mach three point three, which is more than wow. thirty five hundred kilometers per hour or twenty one hundred miles per hour, almost four times as fast as the average cruising speed of a commercial airliner, and uh, and that's like a, a fairly modern plane. So I can't imagine he's flying anything that fast. In general, like if you're flying a commercial airline, the fastest flight that you could go from New York to Austria takes eight hours and 11 minutes. So, I mean, that's a heck of a long time for him to be flying and to be as high as he is. I mean, when you're on a plane, I mean, it's it's probably a good, you know, 10, 15 minutes before you reach kind of your cruising altitude. And it hasn't been that long uh, again, it's it's movie time. Time often is compressed and those sorts of things. But even there, I have a hard time thinking that they're beyond an hour into this fight. Like, it, it seems like the fact that Steve is already fighting these guys in the wheel well, it seems like they literally just took off. And so, yeah, yeah. they're they're probably still over the mountains uh, between Austria and Switzerland <laughs> by the through this entire sequence. And so, yeah, like I, by I all rights, little... we should still be able to see the airstrip where they just out of the back of the plane where they yeah. just took off or at least some snowy peaks. You know, I mean, yeah, it's is the Tesseract adding any power to it at all? It's a good question. Presumably, but it also seems like largely the Tesseract is used for weaponry more so than than flying. I mean, the Tesseract energy, you know, he has it. Uh, we've we've seen it. It's in the it's in the um, the cockpit, but it's very unclear what it's used for. I mean, later we'll see it used for some Tesseract blasters that he has on the ship, and um, and you know we saw them kind of building uh, in the factory some like ring elements that seem like the bomb the inter internal workings of these bombs but uh yeah i don't have a clear sense of like the scope of the tesseract power yeah and it's it's just it's ill-defined over the yeah. course of the film like what are they really using this this weapon for and even later like when shield has it like i, I mean they talk about it being like this this amazing source of energy and stuff but it always seems to be getting used for weaponry instead of energy Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Because it's part of the six infinity stones, right? Like eventually when they kind of break it down and yeah. get it out of the cube. Yeah. So. Yeah. It'll be the space stone. It's true. They do they use it for a lot of weapons. Yeah. Like, because that's the whole phase two in Avengers is let's let's make some more Tesseract weapons just like Arnim Zola was doing. Yeah. Uh, it's strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I mean, and it would be interesting to see, like, what what is the scope of one of these bombs? Like, how big would a detonation be? Is it? I mean, are they like? Is the intention to be like this is kind of like a nuclear weapon? Like, is that kind of the intention within the film? Um, you know, it's it's never really defined. But I guess my my sense is that's the level of devastation Red Skull is kind of hoping for to you know you know drop enough bombs like that and then everyone the rest of the people in the world will do whatever he says yeah that's my take for sure yeah well okay so we've got a few we wilhelm screams in here uh when number two falls uh he there's a little wilhelm scream there and then when steve tosses number three it kind of starts with a different scream but it seems to end on a wilhelm screen um, and then this is where the fifth pilot shows up and uh and he attacks steve and um, and then number three also does. I I don't know why number five came over to this side. I guess he, that they heard the fighting happening. But number five is here. And I, I, I know it's not number four because we'll actually see number four again because Steve picks up number three and tosses him out. That's the one who goes. And number five climbs into number four's plane. That's the New York plane. And um, and, it you know, it's. It is kind of difficult to track these people because they it's not like they have, you know, numbers on their back or any distinguishing features. They all look like these robots, essentially, like like you pointed out, Ryan, they they feel very much like stormtroopers in some capacity. Uh, that's kind of where we end. You know, Steve uh, starts running around to uh, to try to stop number five, who is hopping into the plane um, and uh, and uh, gets right up to the end there. Um, I don't know. Uh, any last thoughts about this minute? Just excited to see what gravity does to Cap. How does he stop number five? I, I know. know. <laughs> well, it, it is funny, though. Like, he, he was so quick on the draw with getting to the control panel to drop the Chicago bomb. Like, why doesn't he just do the same thing with the New York bomb before the guys secured himself in it? I don't know. Like, they set that up as as, as, as a thing. As if and, it wasn't and, a thing. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Andy, you're too level-headed <laughs> for this Red Skull fighting I, mess I know, and fighting right? matches. <laughs> I know. I'm Does that give you a sense, right, about about <laughs> what Andy would be like if he were in the captain's chair? I, I would be Valkyrie. so scared of Andy because he knows oh like each crevice of this plane. He's gonna well calculate it out. Maybe I see there one pilot over here. Right. Like there's so gonna be an hour much. before the next pilot arrives. Like he's very well timed. <laughs> I'll be scared of him. Why Red yeah, Skull, right. watch out for Andy. I'm just saying. I'm yeah. just saying. For sure. I'm on my way. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Ryan, tell everybody uh, more about uh, Black Girl Nerds and and where people can find what you're up to over there. Yes, uh, you can look for Black Girl Nerds on all social media platforms. And yeah, it's just it gives a um, diversity inclusion very important. You have a variety of Black women from all different kind of backgrounds. Whether we're talking gaming, where we're talking superheroes, um, sometimes we like drama, soap opera, a whole bit, whole different kind of mixture. And you know, just having fun, uh, recapping shows, TVs, TV shows, the latest game. So check us out. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at November Bear. Um, Ryan Ben, that's R-Y-A-N-N-E. 
B-E-N-N um, on Instagram. So yeah, I'm just, anytime I get to talk superheroes and, and Marvel is most of the time where you'll find me. So that was my big draw for Black Girl Nerds. And thank you guys again. It's been a pleasure. Anytime, like I said, anytime I get to talk Marvel, please have me back. I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> oh, well, we love it. So uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 102 uh, with you and Pete. So Pete, thanks as always. Mmm, tomorrow, Red Mist. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.